Thank you, thank you, Tiff, so much. Uh, you and Paul have been such a blessing in our lives. Um, great to see everybody. Uh, this is our end of our series on prayer, and it's been really great for us to focus the summer on prayer, all different aspects of prayer. Prayer uh, coming to God as children, uh, prayer of intimacy and contemplation, and today we're going to focus on intercessory prayer, standing in the gap, uh, and the passages in uh, Matthew 16. So let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we are here because we love you, and because you first loved us. As we understand uh, to a greater degree today, uh, your calling on your church, your empowerment, your authority, um, and our uh, awesome responsibility to be change agents for you, for your kingdom. May your spirit stir us. May we break out of our comfort zones today, Lord, and as we experience you and the power of prayer. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody know uh, th this painting, where it's from? Chat out. Sistine Chapel, yes. Painter? Michelangelo, okay. All, the, all you are art buffs. So this is the creation of uh, Adam. Uh, this is on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Rome. Uh, the, the chapel itself is not that huge, but the, you can spend days looking at, at the paintings. They're marvelous. Um, so this depicts really, uh, you know, the purpose of, of God's creating you and I, God created us to be, to have fellowship. Uh, God created us to have a relationship with him. And we're wired, every cell in our body is wired to want to be touched by God. Every cell in our body is wired to encounter him. And, and we long for that. Um, and as I think of us here at Renew, uh, you know, second year of our church community, you know, I, I always ask myself, is this the place where people come and encounter the living God? Um, and I think the answer is yes, yes, yes. You know, people come and, and they're greeted with smiles and hugs and um, we start worshiping and we're taken into the heavenlies before God and we encounter him in worship. But I think one of the really important things that we as a church have been called to do is to allow people to encounter God through prayer. And that's why the emphasis on prayer and Pastor Wilson, who's on his way up to conduct a wedding in NorCal, you know, really wishes for us to be a house of prayer. And that's contemplative prayer, prayer of intimacy, as well as intercessory prayer, being able to pray for one another so our dream hope is that people would come experience and encounter God in worship, but then there'd be a time of prayer where we'd be praying for one another, and in that time of prayer, we encounter the living God, both as the prayer and as the prayee. God would be working and make it so evident that God is here and God is involved in our lives. Uh, so that is, is the vision for us. So when we think about praying for one another. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but it's not as easy as it may seem. 
And for many, many years, uh, my intercessory prayer life or praying for uh, people uh, would, would look something like this. Um, so say Joe comes up to me and say, hey, Ken, you know, can you pray for me? And I would say, sure, sure, Joe, you know, what's going on? You know, what are your prayer requests? You know, well, you know, things have been difficult at work. Um, you know, I, I don't seem to have this sense of fulfillment at work. I feel like I'm just clocking in and clocking out. My supervisor is not that happy with me. My performance isn't that great. So I'm struggling a bit at work. And, you know, then there's my relationship. Uh, my girlfriend and I seem to be you know, bunny heads around the same uh, pain points, the same issues keep coming up and coming up, and I can't seem to, you know, uh, make uh, make progress in that. And, you know, last week I got in a car accident. It was a fender bender. My car's in the shop. I had to rent a car, and so that's a real bummer. So, okay, Joe, let me, let me pray for you. Uh, and it would go something like, you know, dear God, you know, uh, please bless Joe. Uh, he's having a difficult time at work. Uh, he's frustrated, and um, you know, please be with him at work and help him um, in his relationship. Uh, bless his relationship. Uh, you know, help he and his girlfriend to be able to to uh, resolve these conflicts and uh, and pray that the car would get fixed quickly. Um, so it's it's more or less taking what Joe shared with me and then taking that all back to God and say, God, here, here are Joe's issues. Can you, can you take care of it, right? So in this model, which is, there's nothing wrong with this. It's God honors those prayers, of course. But we are petitioning God to bless Joe. Um, God is the mediator. God is the change agent. And we've just essentially taken that uh, to the desk of, of God. Um, in some ways, that's uh, safe because we don't, we're not really uh, invested. If God doesn't answer those prayers, <laughs> it's not on us, right? We presented it to God and you know, we asked God that he would take care of it. So uh, I feel that over the years that uh, I'm beginning to learn that uh, God would have more than that for us. God would have us more involved uh, than, than just petitioning God to take care of Joe. So it looks a little bit more like this, um, where, you know, first we connect with God and ask God, God, you know, what is your heart for Joe? And what is it that you would want me to bless Joe with? And, um, and, and in Jesus' name, you know, I bless you, Joe, with peace and comfort, uh, and I release God's love into your life. And so in this model, God, of course, God is the source of all, all prayer, right? Uh, but we become the go-between. We become the mediator between God and, and Joe, and we participate. We are part of that change agent uh, for Joe, and yes, we, we take a little bit more risk because we're in there, front and center, you know, praying directly and being that change agent for, for Joe. Uh, but that's what God is calling us to do, uh, to participate in the blessing 
and not to be um, a more passive bystander. So that few moments and seconds between God and and you, uh, when you and by the way, we're gonna we're gonna go through some scripture, and then we're gonna have a practicum. So you're all gonna be able to practice this. So so you have to pay attention. Um, and so how does it work? It goes something like this. We, we first connect with God, uh, God's heart. Holy Spirit, uh, show me your heart for Joe. You know, it, it just starts there. Show me your heart for Joe. And suddenly you feel the, the anxiety that Joe may be experiencing. You, you, you feel, you sense the fear that Joe may be experiencing. You feel, you sense uh, his uncertainty but then you, at the same time, feel the warmth and love of God for Joe. You, you sense this overwhelming gush of emotion, the heart pouring out for Joe that is not your own. It's not your own. And then from there, you exercise your spiritual authority to then bless Joe exactly where he needs it because God has shown you what he wants to see happen in Joe's life. And so that's a bit, a bit of how that works. And before you say, well, you know, this is a little bit heretical, Ken, you know, is this all, you know, biblically backed and scripturally based? Yeah, so, yeah, the answer is yes, in case you're wondering. And that uh, segues into our passage today, which is in uh, Matthew 16. Um, so let's uh, read together um, uh, Matthew 16, 13 to 19. When Jesus came to the region, everybody together, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, there's a lot here. There is a lot here. I'm going to unpack it, and the level of nerdiness will kind of go up, uh, but you'll see. Okay, so if you look at this passage, it's really all about prayer, and we're going to unpack different aspects of it. But the flow of the passage is something like this. The first three verses is really asking us, who are you talking to when you pray? You know, who is this God that you're praying to? Um, what, how big is he? How much does he love you? And how much does he love Joe and the people you're praying for? So that's the first question. Who are you talking to? And then the next question in this verse is asking, well, who are you? Yeah, and you are, right? Uh, do you realize who you are? Do you realize how I see you? And do you realize the power and the authority that I've already given to you 
And once you understand who God is and who he sees in you and the authority given to you, then you ask God, so God, tell me, what do you want me to do? What's on your heart for Joe? How can I pray? And you pray and you release blessings on Joe. So those are the three uh, progression components of this, of this uh, scripture. Um, and, you know, it's very similar to what, you know, Chrissy preached on last week. And the, the prayer of intimacy, right? When we, when we just center in on, on God, you know, the first question, you know, God asks us is, who, who am I? You know, do you know who I am? Do you know my heart? Do you know how much I love you? And then from there, well, and who am I? You know, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're my beloved uh, you are my, you know, one gaze of, of your eyes and I'm enthralled. Uh, and, then, uh, and then it goes from there. So the prayer of intercession actually flows out of the prayer of intimacy. You, you cannot possibly intercede and pray for others if you don't have that intimacy with God as foundational. Because how do you know what the Father is saying unless you know who the Father is? And how do you know who the Father is unless you spend that time with him, hearing his voice, recognizing his voice, and knowing his heart. So in this, in this passage, um, you know, so uh, Matthew 16, right? This is in the heart of Jesus' ministry. I mean, he is in a stride. He's healing, casting out demons. He fed 4,000. He, then he fed 5,000, and he's healing the multitudes. And, you know, the disciples are like watching in wonder, amazed. And so Jesus stops in the middle of that and he turns around and asks a marketing question. So Chi Chung's here. So a marketing question. Who do people say that I am? Right? Does Jesus really care what, what, what his PR status is? He's asking that as a lead-in to the next deeper question. Okay, that's who people say that I am. That's what you've heard about me. That's what you read on the billboards and in the ads, but who do you say that I am? Who do you really know me to be? So he's transitioning from a head knowledge of who God is to a a God-given revelation of who he truly is. So who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are our Savior. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. So then Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my, but my Father in heaven. It's interesting. As soon as Simon got it, meaning he understood the revelation of who God really is. At that very moment, God says, okay, you got who I am? Now, let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who I see in you. Now that you know who I am, let me give you your identity so that you may know who you are. And that rolls out this this next passage, this part of the passage. So you are blessed, Simon. You are... Um, blessed by God because God has 
um, invaded your life. God has revealed himself to you personally and, and, and real, and you know him, and, and, that's, and you are blessed, Simon, um, because that wasn't revealed to you by man, but by your Father who is in heaven. And then the passage goes on, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome. So this is nerd level one. Okay. So this passage is a little bit, uh, has different uh, maybe interpretations. The, the Catholic Church looks at this passage and says, well, Peter, who's the ancestor of the Pope, you know, Jesus is saying, on you, Peter, and ancestor, and the Pope, this is, you know, on you, I will build my church. Um, so we want to take a closer look and maybe even uh, some, some Greek here and there to understand uh, this passage. So first, I tell you that you are Peter. Now, Peter wasn't born Peter. He was Simon, right? Who changed his name to Peter? Jesus did, right? And Jesus said, I, I will call you Peter, which means the rock, right? The rock, no. I will call you Peter, right? Uh, and in Greek, it's Petros. And it means little rock. And so when, when Jesus first met Simon, he already called him out and saying, you are going to be a leader amongst my disciples, amongst our team. So Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter, little rock. And on this rock, so that word rock in the Greek is Petra, which is the feminine form of Petros. And it means... A bunch of rocks or a huge rock, like a, a mountainous rock. So he's saying, and it's a little bit of a play on words, right? So uh, I tell you that you are Peter, little rock, and on this big rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, will, Hades or hell will not overcome it. So the interpretation of the big rock is not Peter himself, but more so on, on the confession of Peter on who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, and that he is the son of the living God. And on this confession, on this revelation, I build my church. Um, so more evidence or support that this is not about Peter, because just a few verses later, Jesus says to Peter, the little rock, get, get behind me, Satan, Right? So if he, if he meant to say, Peter, you're the man. I'm going to build my church on you. And then two verses later, get behind me, Satan. That would be a little bit discordant. Uh, and then a few chapters later, the disciples are squabbling. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? Well, if Jesus made it plain to them that Peter was the man, they wouldn't be squabbling you know, a couple of chapters later about you know, who's the greatest. Uh, so it's really this confession of Jesus as Christ um, that, that is the rock. So then, then it says, and uh, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So this, this, this rock, this confession and revelation of who Jesus is, upon which the church is going to be built, uh, there will be so much power that the gates of hell will not overcome it. So this word overcome uh, is a bit of a nuance, nuance as well. Um, 
you know, what are, what's the purpose of a gate? Right, to keep stuff out, right? To keep, it's defensive, right? A gate is there to, to protect, to keep out, so nothing can penetrate in. So the gates of hell, you know, is a defensive. So what interpretation is the gates of hell, um, you know, is, uh, uh, is coming against, you know, the kingdom of God. But I don't know of any gates that, that are on the offensive team, right? They're on the defensive team. So the Greek is actually better translated that the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. So there's very much a sense that God has given the church the spiritual authority to come against evil and to, to break through the gates of hell, to prevail against evil. So it's much more you know, on the offensive team that now you're on the offensive team and as you break new ground, as you enter into enemy territory, as you, as you enter into places of darkness, I give you the power to be able to break through and the gates of hell will not prevail. So it's a, it's a very uh, offensive uh, author, authority uh, aspect to our prayer lives. You holding on so far? Okay. Next verse. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. All right. So, so this is all about the authority in prayer. Uh, that with this authority, the gates of hell will not prevail. You'll be able to overcome and be offensive. And I will give you the keys to heaven, to the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? I mean, if we really, I mean, we could discuss that for hours, but what does it mean to have the key to something? If I gave you the key to my car, that means you can drive away with it. It's not a, a nice car. It's a 2003 Honda. But anyway, um, if I gave you the key to my house, then say, oh, okay, you know, the ranch is nice. Uh, now it's mine, I, you know. If I gave you the key to our new digestive disease center, it's a $28 million three-floor structure, and there are some rooms, and, and I have the master key, and that master key opens every single door. And one of the doors opens to our endoscopy storage uh, room, which has 30 endoscopes. Each endoscope is $25,000. So there's a lot of value in that room. So if you had the keys to my center, uh, you know, there's a lot of goodies. I don't know what you'd do with the scopes, but anyway. Um, so Jesus is saying, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So it's yours to enter, and it's yours to take, take from. And it's yours, it's yours, keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so what is it that we do with these keys once we enter the kingdom of heaven? Then it goes, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, so now we have another thing that we have to struggle with. What, what is this binding and what is this loosening that we're talking about? So binding, what is it that people would want to bind? So things that are falling apart, things that are um, bad, uh, diseases that are contagious, we want to we contain it, right? We want to bind it. So the sense of binding has to do with containing evil and uh, things of destruction and disease, we bind it. 
loosening. So what is it that we loosen? What is it that we open? We, we open packages. We loosen gifts, right? And, and so the real sense of loosening, being, op- being able to open things that are of God, being able to open uh, uh, blessings, being able to open healing, being able to open uh, peace and, and contentment. So the good things uh, that are in, in God's kingdom, we, can, we have the key. We, we can loosen. So there's a sense of binding, binding bad stuff and loosening, opening, releasing good stuff. Um, there's another passage in Matthew 18. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So now we get to nerd level two. Um, what is this earth and heaven and what is that all about? So you and I are physical beings, right? We live in a, in a physical world and we interact in the physical space. But at the same time, we are spiritual beings. Uh, we are a new creation in Christ and we are, have a spiritual being that, that is eternal, uh, and after our mortal bodies decay and die, our spiritual beings will, will live forever. So we're at the same time in the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm is heaven. You know, we, always, we often think of heaven as something that happens after we die. We go up somewhere and we, we go into this other place. But heaven is, is also eternal, right? Heaven is there is now. You know, if if you look at passages that give us a glimpse of heaven in the spiritual realm, you know, the 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 throne of God, you know, the lamb sitting on the throne, the 24 elders bowing and 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 worshiping God, that's happening right now in the spiritual realm. It's not something that'll happen later after we die. It's happening right now. So both physical realm and spiritual realm are happening. And this binding and loosening is us being in those two realms, and we can bind and loosen and be the transporters between those two, two, two realms. Um, this simultaneous duality of living in two realms at the same time, the, the best uh, example I have is a, a little bit old, but it's The Matrix, right? In the movie The Matrix, right? You know, people are living in this, in, in this really run-down garbage world, but then... At the same time, they can plug into whatever, and they, they're in this amazing uh, other world where everything is pristine and beautiful and, and so on. So that gives you a little uh, illustration, a sense of us being in this dilapidated physical realm, and at the same time, we are also in that spiritual heavenly realm. Um, we can think about that a lot. It, it's, there's quite a bit there. So this sense of um, being in two realms and, and what this passage is saying that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So there's a very sense that uh, these two realms, you as the transporter between these two realms, uh, your activity in one realm will be mirrored in the other realm, Right? Your activity in one realm will be mirrored in the other realm. Uh, so this is where we get to nerdiness level three. And that is, what, 
which happens first, right? Do we bind and loosen on earth and then it's bound or loosened in heaven? Or, or do we bind and loose in the spiritual realm and then it happens in the physical realm? Um, almost half of the translations out there have it where it happens um, in heaven and then on earth. And then the other half is the other way around. So if you look at NASB, if you look at EV, uh, uh, English Standard Version, ESV, it's translated this way. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And so if you look at the Greek and you look at the tense, when it says bind on earth, that's the present tense, shall have been bound is the perfect tense, which is a past tense. So it's more of the sense of something happens, you are involved in something in the spiritual realm, and then that gets mirrored in the physical realm. And that's the secret of our prayer life. And as we intercede for people, that we, when we pray, it's a spiritual activity, right? Yeah? We're in the spiritual realm as we pray. And something happens in that realm that's very real, and then God translates that and mirrors that into a physical realm that we can see people touched and lives changed. Um, so I, I can think of a great example, and I'm going to ask uh, Chrissy to come and share an example of how she'd been praying for her mom and how what God showed her in the spiritual realm then happened in the physical realm. I might have shared this before. My, I grew up in an atheist family. My parents do not believe in any God. And I became a Christian when I was a teenager, 15. And ever since then, I've been praying for her salvation. And, um, you know, I, on and off, we would pray for her. I would have our friends pray for her. And it wasn't until, oh, many years later, 22 years later, um, we had already moved over uh, to live in California, and once a summer, once a year, she would come over and kind of stay with us and spend time with us. And when she comes, she's really helpful. She's always the, the cooking mom, the cleaning mom, and doing all that stuff. And she told me, she goes, I know you always have church stuff going, going on. Um, if you have anything going on, go ahead and participate, and I can take care of the kids. You know, and the kids were little then, all three of them. And I go, oh, that's cool, because uh, church is having a workshop on prayer this Saturday morning. She goes, just go. I'll take care of the kids. Um, so I went to the workshop. I sat there. And for whatever reason, during the workshop, I couldn't concentrate. And all I was sensing was, um, instead of listening to a workshop on prayer, go pray. Go pray for your mom. And um, I didn't know what to do with that. And then I didn't want to walk out in the middle of a prayer workshop, right? Because <laughs> kind of... Um, rude. So I waited until the uh, break time. So I, I left the room. I didn't know where to go. Um, so I went to the back of the building where the, some trees and around the trees there are brick planters where you can sit. So I kind of found a private place and sat there and prayed. Um, as I was praying, I just started, you know, looking at surrounding me and just just thinking about my mom and how hard her life has been and 
and what a wonderful person she is and, and just feeling a great deal of compassion for her. And it's like the only thing missing in her life is God. You know, that would be the purpose she really needed. Um, and then as I was praying, I saw the, the brick wall that the tree planter around the tree, and there were a lot of little ants all over. Um, and, and they looked so helpless against this brick wall. And they were crawling around. And then I, I, I saw that because it's, been, it's very old, the planter started splitting. And over time, that it seems like whatever the ants were doing and, and other things, the earth moved, the, the, the wall was breaking, cracking open. And when I saw that picture, somehow I was prompted and I started praying and sobbing and just praying for my mom's salvation. I just prayed that that wall that is on her heart, whatever it is, will just break just like this wall I'm looking at. And I prayed and I prayed. I don't know how long I prayed for and how long I cried for, but it got to be a point where I felt a sense of peace. I just felt like it's done. And I was like, now what do I do? Then later on I went home and I told Ken about it, and he was really excited, and he goes, and I said, what do I do now? He says, it's done. I said, so then now what? And he goes, well, we'll talk to her. So then um, I asked my mom if it is okay for, her, for me to talk to her about something that's important to me. And I had shared uh, the four spiritual law with her before, and we would go through the whole thing, and she would just kind of look at me like, okay, you're done. And so this time I'm like, Mom, I want to share this with you. Would you mind? And she was like, sure. And then so we set a time the next day and sat down with her, and, um, and I said, you know, God's been putting this on my heart, and I really want to know where you are spiritually, and I, I want to know whether you uh, would be willing to accept Jesus into your, you know, into your life. And she goes, yeah. And I thought, I thought to myself, no, that doesn't, that's not supposed to how it works. You're supposed to let me share the four spiritual laws with you, and then you supposed, you know, agree each step of the way. And I said, well, let me f- go through this. She goes, okay. So I went through each one that you're a sinner and you need God and da 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 da. And she goes, okay, okay. And I say, would you like to pray that sinner's prayer? And she goes, yeah. And 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 so you know, uh, you know, just ten years ago now. And it was just amazing. And that's kind of my own personal story of, you know, praying um, the regular prayer and, and steadily. And then there's a time where God just bring me through this realm of prayer where it, it felt like it was a spiritual warfare. And it was done in the heavenly realm. It was done in the earthly realm, too. And I just kind of had to walk through those doors where I knew they were so shut tight. And um, she was just ready, you know. She was ready to be God. So, yes. Praise God. I've always had a secret dream that Chrissy and I would, would share a, a message and, and be up here together, and she would always say, no way, forget it. This is my way of tricking her up here, so. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> uh, okay, so binding and loosening, um, prayer, you know, who are we talking to? Who are you? What? What's what's on your heart, God, f- for this person? So we wanted to now enter into a time of prayer. This is your practicum part. Um, so we'll even the worship team. I don't want you guys to come up. I want you know maybe you can play some music. And what I want to do is have have you guys you know pair up uh, with the people around you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you know instead of sharing prayer requests. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to show each of you God's heart for the other person. And then you're going to pray 
those prayers of blessing to the other person. Um, you know, God may give you a scripture verse to pray. You know, God may give you uh, an image. Uh, God may just give you a word, a word of encouragement. Um, God may um, just give you just this emotion that you want to share with that person, how much God loves that other person. Um, it, it can really vary, but just it's uncomfortable, but give yourself that little bit, like 30 seconds where you're just listening to God, connecting with his heart for the other person, and the, then the go ahead and, and pray. Uh, once that happens, then switch roles. Uh, and then once each of the two of you have had a chance to pray, then talk about it. You know, how did that, what was that experience like for the person praying, for the pr person receiving that prayer? Uh, we'll do that, and then then we'll we'll have a, a uh, also um, we'll have a time of we'll have people in the back. If you if you really want to be prayed for, um, you know, I, I hired some professionals today to come and 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 so we'll 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 be in the back and we'll we'll be happy to to pray for you as well. Uh, there'll be a offering in the back that you can uh, uh, do your offering and then also communion. So this is your time. Uh, this is really your time um, to spend time in prayer, connecting with God and to encounter him. So uh, let, let me pray uh, a prayer of blessing over us, and then we'll enter into the, our time of prayer. Holy Spirit, um, we ask you uh, as our God, as our loving Father, uh, that today we would know and experience you, your love for us. And knowing who we are in your eyes, who you've called us to be, we pray, spirit of wisdom and revelation, to release your heart for the people that we're about to pray for. Holy Spirit, would you just download um, your heart, your desire, your encouragement, your words of peace, your words of comfort for this other person that we're, we're going to be having the privilege of praying for. Uh, would you bless both the giver and the receiver? Would you allow us to bind up evil and to loosen all the goodness of your heavenly kingdom? Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's do that. Let's um, pair up. And, and we'll start praying.